You're listening to sermons from St. Thomas Anglican Mission, located in Matthews County, Virginia, striving to live out the ancient faith through common prayer. Here's what we have for you this week. In our, in our gospel this morning, St. Luke wrote, and they, well, he, he's talking about, um, you know, the various seeds that are cast out, uh, and it falls on different types of soil, um, different types of soil like those that fell by the wayside, those that fell among rocks, those that fell among thorns, and those that fell on good soil. And there's lots of great things that can be talked about each of these things, but this morning I actually just want to look at two of them, which is uh, those that fell on, among the thorns and those that fell in the good soil. So St. Luke wrote, And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So this morning, you know, there's, like I said, there's lots of stuff. There's the those that fell by the wayside and those that fell on the stones or among the rocks or the stony path or whatnot. But I just want to look at those that fell on thorny ground and those that fell on good ground. Um, so those seeds, which, you know, uh, Christ himself says is, is the word of God or whatever, and the message, the hope, the, the grace, the mercy, the gospel message cast out, and it falls on these lives. And these, these lives that are of uh, the thorny ground, you know, these seeds are cast onto it, and these people, they hear the gospel. The seed is, is cast there, they hear it, and initially they responded to it. You know, they, they, uh, they heard the message, and when it says they go forth, it means it began to be sprung up in their life, and it began to manifest this, this, this uh, tree of faith in their own life, or whatever, plant of faith, this hope, and this, this grace. And so they received it, and they went back out, and excited and all these sort of things. Their life changed and stuff. But then they went back out into the world um, and instead of realizing that the hard part's not getting it to grow, the hard part, the hard part is keeping it alive. And so, because for whatever reason, maybe they thought they already won the battle because it's growing, hey, it's good. And they didn't care about what else grew up with it. So they go back out into the world and they get caught up in all kinds of things. This, Christ tells us, uh, as St. Luke records, they get caught up in the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. You know, and the cares are those things, the worries, anxieties, all those issues in life that, that uh, as Jesus tells us, doesn't add a single day, doesn't add a single anything to us, so why are we stressing out about these things? But that's because we're people, and we stress out about things that are outside of our control, um, and sometimes are due to foolish decisions on our own behalf. You know, especially when you get tied into things like riches and all that stuff, where we either live in such a way that we don't think we need to rely on God, or we live in such a foolish way where we find ourselves in a hole that's dug so deep that it looks like it'll take forever to get out of. Um, and so we become consumed with these things. And of course, the pleasures of life, all those things of living for self, and what can I get out of it, and it's all about me, and... You know, it doesn't matter about anyone else and those things. And sometimes, you know, that's, that's, there's, we all know people like that or whatnot, where 
me, myself, and I is the most important person. And so, you know, these seeds that fell on this, this thorny ground, you know, in this case, these are, there's the, the weeds of life. Like I said, it's worries, anxieties, reliance on self, and all these things. And it just ends up becoming a burden and drowning. And as the text says, it chokes out this very plant, this seed, this faith that was beginning to grow up. And of course, it not just, you know, makes the person feel burdened, it ultimately um, brings about death. Death, which isn't necessary because it was bled for. There's no excuse for that faith to have been um, choked out because Christ died for that person, just like he died for all of these, these various people mentioned in here. Yet it happens. And it's an unfortunate thing. We can all probably name people in our lives that we've encountered who at one time seemed like they were all in on the faith and then just the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life overwhelmed them. And now the last thing you would imagine, you would consider them as a thriving, active you know, person of faith or whatnot because they just were crushed and didn't know how to stand back up. And then there's the seeds that fell on the good ground, which are those people who heard the gospel, they responded to it, the thing began to grow up in their life, and it began to you know, come forth or whatever. They committed themselves uh, to the kingdom, and they, these individuals saw this plant and said, I have to defend this plant, this faith growing up within me. I must protect it. I must you know, keep it. I must abide in it. I must be in its presence at all times. And the, Jesus tells us that the people who, who guard their, these plants and who take care of the environment that it's in, these people, the plant's not choked out. And so what ends up happening, it actually produces fruit. And it's fruit that we know elsewhere where Jesus says, um, you know, he, we didn't choose him, but he chose us and these things and he, it, because he wanted to give us fruit, and fruit that will last. And so these people, they, they protect this faith that's in them and they... They work the soil to continue to make it be good soil, and eventually it produces fruit. A fruit that was promised to all these other people, and that was promised to those in the thorny ground, but never saw it come forth. You know, this good ground, you know, that's where we are to be. That's where all believers of all time are supposed to believe in we're to, we're to sit and we're to live and we're to breathe in those areas. This is where we are to work out of and in. And it's hard. It's very difficult and it requires work to keep thorns and weeds and everything else out of your nice garden patch and, and all that. And perhaps it's more, it takes more work than any of us initially realized when we first became a believer because we get this image of... Especially like in the 90s, the era of gospel tracts and all these things. Of God has a wonderful plan for your life and four keys and steps and you know three things of success and seven this and that and seven doors of opportunity and here's the keys to unlock them and blah, blah, blah. It's a lot harder than all those things. There is no, you know, call this number, give me some money, and then you'll be good. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It takes work. If anything, St. Paul revealed to this morning in his letter to the Corinthians, 
There's a lot of work there, and in his case, it required shipwrecks and snake bites and beatings and being in perils and fasting and cold and nakedness and everything else that hopefully none of us in this room have to deal with. But we have our own hard, laborious things in the faith we have to go through. Because uh, it's, it's not just all rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> it's difficult. But it's worth it in the end. In fact, because it's hard work, it's no surprise that on occasion we uh, find ourselves sliding back and forth between being good soil and thorny soil. Thorny ground, good ground and thorny ground. The key, though, for us, who have had this, this tree of faith grow forth in our lives, because if it wasn't, we wouldn't be here, right? You'd be in bed or, or sitting on your couch watching TV or playing on your cell phone or whatever. But because you're here, it's because you're trying to nourish and continue to get this plant growing, this faith that's in you. But we, have, we as believers, uh, we, we, we can slide back and forth between perfect, cultivated, nice ground and ground that weeds and thorns and the cares and the worries and the, you know, these various things begin to spring up. And if we're not vigilant and we're not diligent in ripping them out, eventually they can choke us out too, just like the text says. You know, the key for us though is to always be moving in our faith, always be tending the soil of our faith to ensure that, you know, when we run across these weeds or these thorns, or even these rocks in our life, that we dig them up, that we tear them out, that we cast them aside, that we don't become uh, complacent and stagnant. Because when we say, oh, the ground's perfect, I've, I've tilled it, and I've fertilized it, and I've this and that, and watered it, and the Lord made it grow, I don't have to do anything else, I can just sit back in my easy chair with you know, my lemonade or iced tea and just watch the sun go down, that's when stuff begins to grow that you don't want there. When me and Myra first bought the house, which was, what, 2016, we had this ambitious idea of, we're gonna, well, it wasn't ambitious at first, it was, we're going to have a garden, which is wonderful. I don't know if you all ever paid, looked at or uh, seen our backyard or anything, but we made a giant garden. For the first time ever making a garden, we made a garden that was probably... I don't know, from this, from the front wall here of the chancel to the back, and probably almost as wide as this, which for the first time planting a garden was probably a foolish decision for people who have no clue what they're doing. <laughs> and to top it off, we've had, you know, all this stuff, 18 tomato plants, which was way more tomatoes than any single person could ever in their life eat. You know, and it was like, I think, uh, there was like 12 zucchini plants, and there was... Cucumbers and eggplants and, and yeah, like hundreds of carrots and onions. It was ridiculous. And then we realized that, I mean, okay, we're starting to have all this fruit, which that's wonderful because it was doing what it was doing. But then we thought that, okay, we got it. This is it. We don't, you know, everything's growing. Now we just pick. And before we know it, this nice, perfect ground that just had the plants growing out, all of a sudden grass and weeds was growing everywhere. And it was like, okay, we'll pull this out. And then all of a sudden you look and the entire thing is becoming overtaken. And I'm thinking, how can I run a lawnmower down this? Well, I can't run a lawnmower down this. 
So what did we do? We ended up having our children rip it all out after school while I was still at work and Myra was sleeping. They would go out when they got home and pick the stuff out until eventually they worked and worked and worked. Yeah, they, they, they got it all out. And then we laid down newspapers and we laid down straw on top of it all in order to keep the ground the way that we wanted to so that all those all the beneficial stuff is going to the plants and not to the weeds and the thorns and these things. And the sad thing is, is, you know, well, obviously a garden takes a lot of work. But the sad thing is, is we weren't vigilant on it and we didn't stay on top of it. At first, we, every day, we were out there watering, we were out there picking, and then it was every other day. Then it was, you know, yeah, yeah. and then before you know it, it's overran. And we determined, of course, well, we can't let this happen. And then it was the long, long road to bring it back to where it needed to be. When the truth is, is we should have never slacked off in the first place. We should have continued to do the hard work to keep it where it needed to be. Um, but instead, we assumed that we arrived because we have a Roma tomato. We got it. This is success. Not realizing that if we want to continue to get them, we must continue to work. You know, and the, and the fact is, if we would have just kept on working, it would have it would have been work, yes, but it would not have been the degree of work that was necessary to restore it, to de-weed it, and all that stuff. And so that's the thing. We as believers, we can shift back and forth between being good ground and thorny ground, or grounds with weeds and all this stuff. But if we just are diligent in keeping our good ground good, when these things begin to pop up. We remove them, and that's it. But when we just sit back and think we've arrived, we're a believer, I go to church, I'm good. All of a sudden, we can have all this stuff growing up in our lives. And then we look at it, we're like, how did this happen? Because we, and it's because we fell asleep, essentially. You know, and as believers, we struggle through life together. Right, And while the garden of our hearts as individuals is solely our responsibility, you know, my, the garden of my heart is my responsibility and Myra's is hers and Heather's yours is yours and Janet's yours is yours and Solomon, no one else can really tend those gardens. Only you can. But you can lean on your family, you know, the, your fellow brothers and sisters to help you keep moving and to remind you that, hey, keep working the soil. Don't, don't let it be overtaken. You know, I didn't expect Mr. Barker at the time was our backyard neighbor. He saw the garden going to pieces, but I wasn't, he wasn't going to come over and fix it. And, you know, but he was there if I would have been like, hey, can you help? Help, what can I do to restore this? You know, and there, and he, there was some things. He was like, oh, you know, here's my tiller. You can go do that. And, and this... And that's where the benefit of us as believers is we're not an island unto ourselves. And so when we begin to get, if, if thorns and weeds and cares and worries and anxieties, riches and pleasures of life, and these things begin to threaten us, we lean on each other. We lean on each other. You know, here, of course, locally, we're the body of St. Thomas, but more importantly, we're the body of Christ because we're united with all believers. You know, and... and 
being able to come together, we lean on each other to stay motivated to keep our gardens in the shape they need to be, to keep our gardens in place. Of course, we all stumble, we all fall. Every garden, no matter how much attention you give to, it's going to have weeds and thorns grow up. But again, the key is, is ensuring that it's not overtaken by those things. Because ultimately, we all, as believers in Christ, we're all on the verge of continuously having fresh fruit burst forth in our lives. And the last thing we want is those things choked out. And so a couple things, briefly, real quick, a few ways that we can keep our soil, you know, fertile and nutritional and all that kind of stuff. There's obvious things like our devotions, right? Staying up on your prayer life and being a person, a man or a woman of prayer, whether you pray the daily office as it's written in here or you pray extemporaneously while you're driving to work because I wouldn't want you reading out of a book while you're driving to work. <laughs> but, you know, or whatever. Or you're sitting at your desk and you just, you know, have, or you sit on your porch or, you know, as you walk from one room to the next room questioning life and decisions and all that. Or you're sitting in, you know, study hall. Wherever the case may be, we should be people of prayer. And prayer should never be far from our lips. And that doesn't always mean we have to be, you know, out and about and all. Sometimes it's just, Lord, you know, help me. Lord, have mercy. You know, it's those things. And, and it's not just always about us. It's, you know, we get off the phone with someone. Or we drive past and there's someone in ambulance. And it's, Lord, you know, I don't pray for this situation. Whatever the case may be, prayer should be our first, our, one of our first uh, responses when we see these things growing up in our lives, the first thing we should say is, Lord, give me the strength to stand. Give me, you know, the joy to stand through the work I'm about to have to do because sometimes it's not fun. And then, of course, you know, in the second part of our devotions is a steady diet of Scripture and being immersed in the Word because if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word and these things, you know, Read scripture aloud to yourself or listen to it on audio and read it and these things because they build us up. These are ways to till the soil in our lives and in our hearts and stuff. And then, you know, there's the often forgotten one, which uh, Pastor David Godwin at City Life calls the Christian F word, which is fasting. None of us really like to fast. At least I don't know anyone who enjoys fasting. But there's a reason why we got to do it, you know. It's because it's, it's a self-discipline. It, it's, it causes us to be like, I could be sitting on the couch and enjoying my show, but no, I got to get out here and tend the soil. You know, it's like I can do, I can be doing this. You, know, you got to fast. You got to sacrifice things that are enjoyable for the things that are what's actually important. Um, and fasting isn't always fun. You know, but it's it's one of those things that's necessary because it's laborious. No one really likes to, you know, uh, give up those things that make them happy and give them joy and these things. But we do it for a season so that we can work on our faith and we can, we can ask the Lord to help us and grow in this area or that area. And ultimately, I mean, there's, of course, you know, there's residual side effects and stuff to fasting, you know, both on the most... Uh, uh, you know, beneficial way you find time that you didn't have, and you know, some people's cases you lose weight and all these different things. So there's all these side benefits, but at the end of the day, there's the reality that Jesus said there are certain things that are only accomplished in this life through prayer and 
fasting. There was a time that he sent the disciples out to heal people and cast out demons, and they came back and said, we couldn't cast the demons out. And he said, yeah, you can't, because it takes prayer and fasting. There are certain things that we will never be successful at, and we won't be able to achieve to, to the measure that Christ calls us to achieve unless we engage in the practice of fasting. Then outside of devotions, there's fellowship. Coming and being amongst believers. You know, so being in the church and worshiping and receiving Christ at the table and, and singing songs of praise unto him and hearing the word. Because again, faith comes by hearing. You know, and, and I read this article this week uh, that, and I shared it on my wall talking about how church, church should be our excuse for everything in life so that nothing takes its place. Be like, ah, I wouldn't do that, but I got church. You know, which to the world, that doesn't make any sense. But thankfully, you know, Jesus says, just cast it all on me. Blame me for everything. It's all good. I can carry it. But we should be like that. Like, oh, I can't do that. I got to go to church. I got church. I got this. And it's not so much because you need to be in these four walls. It's because you need to be around these people. Because these people, iron sharpens iron. And these people, when you stumble, these people are the people who come over and pick you up and help you go. And when you're like, is that, is that a weed or is that parsley? They can say, that's a weed. That's not parsley. <laughs> so, you know, and then surrounding yourselves with people who speak the words of life into you. Surgically speaking the words of life into you. Because we know the word of God is like a two-edged sword and it pierces. And that doesn't have to just be here. It can be the people you associate with out in your life. Be intentional about associating with people who breathe life and breathe hope. And not just positive, uh, pleasant platitudes uh, that, you know, compared to the word are powerless. Um, but, you know, then there's nothing wrong with having non-believers as friends and these things. I'm not saying don't have that. But I'm saying have those people who really speak life into you and speak hope and grace and mercy. And when necessary, they shove that sword into your heart because the wounds of a friend are good when it's because you're being wounded by the truth of the word. And then finally, another, the other way is the sacraments. Every week we come together to not just be in one another's presence because we each think that we're you know, the greatest people in Matthews County and those things, but... You know, but we really, we, we come together because in order for us to be the body, we got to participate and receive the body. Because it's in receiving the body, the blood and body of Christ, that we can actually say we are the body of Christ. It's in that that we realize we are the hands and the feet. And it's in that that we are able to go forth and be his witnesses to our Judeas and to our Samarias and to the ends of the world. And so how do you keep your ground good? your devotions and being in fellowship and engaging in the sacraments. And those all might seem like, oh, that's simple, easy stuff. Yeah, of course, but those things are hard to do. You know, it sounds elementary, but they are very hard to maintain and to do. And that's why we have to work and work and work. Doing these things will maintain the soil of your heart. You know, don't be afraid of, of hard work, this hard work. Scars are good, right? Scars tell stories, and people like stories. And so when you can be like, yeah, this is where, you know, that garden spade, 
This is where you know, people like to hear that stuff because it motivates them and it says, oh, if she can survive using that rototiller in her life, I can survive doing that. Or whatever the case may be. Yeah, or chainsaws. Just look at Paul again. Shipwrecks, beatings, all these things. Imagine the scars this man had. And each one of them was a story. Each one of them was a testimony of the faithfulness of God, the power of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. No wonder he was able to write so much of the New Testament. And no wonder there's so many churches, Galatia, Rome, Corinthians, all these that greatly benefited from him. Because he was willing to put in the hard work and do the long road. Maintaining our spiritual life is of the utmost importance. Worries, riches, pleasures, ultimately are nothing more than distractions. And distractions are one of the arrows that the enemy uh, carries around in his quiver and tries to get us with. This enemy is the one who seeks to steal the fruit in our lives, kill the tree of faith that's growing in our good soil, and ultimately destroy that soil that's in our heart. St. Peter reminds us, be alert and sober and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. We're always working the soil. We're always running the work and the race. It's never really over until the Lord calls us home. So until then, be vigilant. For there's lots of work to be done in ourselves and in our community. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for just being able to... to uh, see this seed that was cast upon our lives grow forth, God. And we thank you for the fruit when it bursts forth in our lives. And Lord, we pray that you give us the strength. We pray that you give us the joy. We pray that you give us the perseverance and the endurance, Lord, to do the good works that you've set before us, to till the soil of our heart and to grab hold of those thorns despite the pain they cause when they pierce our skin as we grab hold of them to rip them out. Because Lord, in the end... It's worth it. So God, lead your people, guide your people on paths of righteousness. Give us the strength to endure, the strength to stand. And Lord, in times of need, may we lean upon our brothers and our sisters and draw strength from them, for we know that we are the body. Now unto God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, God the Father, and glory, both now and forever. Amen.